You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of NCBA's Beltway Beef. I'm Hunter Ehrman, and today I'm joined by NCBA Chief Counsel Mary Thomas Hart for an update on the Waters of the U.S., or WOTUS rule. The rule took legal effect on Monday, March 20th, after a judge in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas denied NCBA's request for a nationwide injunction that would have paused the rule, and instead issued a limited injunction allowing the rule to proceed in 48 states. Mary Thomas, now that the Biden administration's WOTUS rule has taken effect as of the 20th, how should cattle producers prepare? Thanks, Hunter, and and thanks for having me on today. Um, you know, that's a great question, and I, I think it's certainly something that producers need to contemplate, especially going into the spring um, and the upcoming planting season. Um, my advice, not formal legal advice, but advice generally to producers and, and landowners across the country is if you are planning a project in the next you know, few months that will require the manipulation of a water feature, um, make sure you get some technical assistance or, or have a conversation with an expert before starting that project. You know, I think as we're going to get into one of the biggest issues with this new rule is the lack of certainty and, and the lack of clarity around how a lot of water features across the country are regulated. Um, so better to have a conversation early on, um, better to be safe than sorry. Mary Thomas, back in January, NCBA filed a lawsuit in Texas seeking to overturn the entire WOTUS rule, and we asked for a nationwide preliminary injunction as part of that. Instead, the judge came back with a limited injunction that stopped the rule in Texas and Idaho. Could you tell me a little bit more about why the judge reached that decision and what NCBA's next steps will be? Great question. Um, And I think it's important to clarify that while we may have not been granted a nationwide preliminary injunction, we are still involved in active litigation to overturn this rule. Um, So our first step in litigating against the rule was to ask the judge to kind of put the rule on hold nationwide until we had the opportunity to to fully litigate its legality. Um, Unfortunately, on Sunday evening, March 19th, Judge Brown in the Southern District of Texas denied our request for a nationwide preliminary injunction. Um, In addition to our national coalition of about 14 different uh, trade associations, we were joined in that litigation by the states of Texas and Idaho. Judge Brown thought it a much easier lift um, and a clearer, um, I guess, opinion and decision to grant a limited preliminary injunction only in those two states. Um, I think it's also worth noting that our coalition is participating now in other cases, one in, in North Dakota, and we're actively monitoring a case in Kentucky. And in combination, those two cases represent another 25 states. So we'll continue to ask for a nationwide preliminary injunction, but there's also, I think, a a pretty good chance for the number of states subject to a preliminary injunction to grow. Mary Thomas, could you remind our listeners, what are some of the provisions of this latest WOTUS rule that are particularly concerning for producers? You know, I think when NCBA considers any WOTUS definition, regardless of administration, we're really looking for three things. First, how are ephemeral features treated? Those features that really are kind of uh, webbed all the way across our landscape that that cover a a lot of farmland, a lot of grazing land, a lot of grassland, um, features that really only carry water after a precipitation event, like rain or snow. Secondly, we're curious about how isolated features are 
treated. Those um, maybe glacial features like prairie potholes, playa lakes, vernal pools that aren't directly connected to another water feature, that aren't directly contributing to downstream water quality. And then third, we want to make sure that there are robust and substantive agricultural exclusions for features like stock ponds, drainage ditches, and prior converted cropland. This rule gave us one out of three, right? We got some helpful agricultural exemptions, but I think most concerning is the fact that the Biden administration doesn't give us a lot or, or any real clarification on how ephemeral or isolated features are going to be treated under this new definition. Mary Thomas, we know the Supreme Court is set to rule on the case Sackett versus EPA any day now. How will the Sackett decision impact this latest WOTUS rule that's already on the books? It's certainly an important factor in, in the larger WOTUS equation, right? So in Sackett versus EPA, the Supreme Court considered the definition of WOTUS for the fourth time. Um, but for six of those nine justices, they were actually considering the definition of WOTUS for the first time. And I think we saw a lot of heartburn around the concept of significant nexus and the ambiguity of the significant nexus test and, and the potential liability that it, it could create for landowners across the country. Um, I expect a decision from the Supreme Court that in some way pulls back the significant nexus test. If that happens, the Biden administration with this new rule is going to be forced to kind of take it back to the drawing board um, because this new rule relies so heavily on the significant nexus test that if the Supreme Court invalidates it in any way, then that means that the rule is no longer legal. Mary Thomas, I want to switch gears here for a moment. Uh, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Michael Regan uh, testified recently before the U.S. Senate, and he defended the EPA's decision to finalize this WOTUS rule before the Supreme Court had a chance to rule and sack it, saying he was trying to provide certainty for cattle producers. What is your perspective on that? You know, I think that Administrator Regan was incredibly um, ambitious in attempting to finalize this rule before hearing from the Supreme Court. I believe he said in that oversight hearing that EPA should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, The issue with that is that when you're kind of grounding your rule in uh, in a test that is subject to active litigation, there's a real chance that you are wasting government resources writing a rule that's going to have to be overturned. And so I think that's why NCBA and a lot of other groups asked the EPA to pause its rulemaking until we heard from the Supreme Court in the Sackett case. You know, EPA's resources are important. We we don't want them to go um, to writing a rule that's almost guaranteed to to need at least some revisions. Um, I think substantively, we are very concerned with the fact that, you know, EPA sees it necessary to finalize a rule kind of flying in the face of, of the Supreme Court. Um, and that's an argument that, that we've made um, to federal courts across the country. Well, Mary Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Hunter. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.